Hey friends, we hope that this service blesses and inspires you. If you're interested in finding out any information about Olive Tree, um, our service times, our sites, life group signups, midweek connections, um, or where we serve in the city, if you want any of that kind of information, just head on over to our website. You can find it all really easily on there. We'll be going straight into a preach, and we hope that this blesses you as you listen today. Enjoy. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Don't build your house on the sand. Build it on rock, a firm foundation. I am your foundation. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Let my mystery draw you closer, and there you will find all you need for the hour. There you will find all you need for the day. Look to me and I will guide your every step. Turn to me, and I will show you how to live. To walk as I walked, to pray as I prayed, to love as I loved, to remain in me as I have and will remain in you. Um, good morning, everyone. How are we? That's good. Um, just as a rule of thumb, uh, out of out of from all the love in my heart, it always makes things easier when you come up to like an applause or something, you know, uh, just to avoid any awkward silences, like. Like now I have pressure to say something funny or like powerful in the first five seconds of my preach. Um, so, so maybe let's get into like a cheerful, you guys are electric. I'm loving the vibe and the energy in this room. Let's, let's keep that going, yeah? There we go. All right, I'm about to lead us into the promised land this morning. Um, but I get to continue on in our Remain series. Which, is, which Ross opened up last week. And if you weren't here, last week we, last week we gave out these booklets, which um, there are very few of now, but you're still able to get this in digital form. Uh, so if you go into our website and you click on the Remain section, you can download this and then you can have it on your phone 24-7. Um, but um, Ross opened up last week with fasting. So just, just to see how dedicated we are. Show of hands, who fasted? Um, look around the room and judge those that didn't. Jokes, <laughs> jokes. Let's not do that. Um, chasing people from the house of the Lord. Um, so this morning, I'm going to be speaking on Shabbat, which is the Jewish day of rest. Um, but we're going to watch a quick video where Gary explains and unpacks what it is, and then I'm going to come up and preach afterwards. You can clap after the video as well. <laughs> 
Guys, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, we're gonna do a Sabbath meal or a Shabbat meal. And uh, this is something that I actually picked up when I lived overseas in Israel for four years. And it was actually an amazing thing that we used to look forward to every week. Um, and so the Sabbath meal is something that's emerged in Jewish religious life over, I suppose, the last few thousand years. Uh, and the home is the center of the Sabbath meal. It's a place of hospitality, of being together. And it really marks the beginning of a day of rest. Now, God originally gave the Sabbath as a gift to the Jewish people. He commanded them to have one day of rest. And so often we, we think of the commands or the laws of God as these obligations, these onerous uh, things that people have to keep. But the, the truth is, is that the Jewish people or the, the Israelites had been enslaved for hundreds of years. And so these people had never had a day of rest. They didn't know what rest felt like. God actually had to uh, teach them how to rest. And so he commands a day of rest. And that day of rest begins on Friday at sunset and ends at Saturday at sunset. And, uh, and they uh, really, after the, the, the temple was destroyed and they could no longer meet there, um, they be, the, the Jewish home took on so much more importance as a center of religious life. And so this is a little bit of the liturgy or the organization, the way the meal uh, unfolds. And so this is how they begin it. And they actually begin it with lighting of candles. And so traditionally the woman of the home always does that because they are seen as the center of uh, religious life and they set the tone for spirituality in the home. Now for us as believers in Jesus, ultimately our rest is in Jesus and that's because we no longer have to work or strive or do any of those things to try and be good enough for God and so we live in a continual perpetual rest and, um, and so we're actually going to bless the bread and the wine now and this is how the Sabbath always begins and you can really see the connection to communion here and you've got to know that the, the Christian faith emerged out of this base, that it was actually a Jewish faith and Jesus was Jewish and all his disciples were Jewish. So this is something that they did every Friday. You can see the connections uh, for us. So I'm gonna just take this bread over here. This is called challah bread. It's this knitted bread that's traditionally used. And the blessing goes like this. Bless you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And it's this idea that God is our provider. He provides for us. And it's because God is our provider that we can actually rest. Uh, so many people are so busy striving and working hard and always pushing themselves to make a living. Um, but um, because God provides for us, we get to rest. And, uh, and of course, there's the provision of the body of Jesus Christ for us, which he laid down for us, he gave us, that allows us to be right with God. So after that, we uh, take the grape juice or the wine, and um, I'm just going to pour some here. Now, traditionally, this glass would be shared, but obviously COVID, so we're just going to be safe. And uh, you guys can pass that around. Um, and so the blessing that happens, um, with this is Baruch Atadunah Eloheinu Melech HaAlam Borei Puri Hagafen Bless are you, O Lord our God, King of the Universe, who created the fruit of the vine. And in Jewish thinking, the fruit of the vine, wine, is a symbol of God's joy and blessing. God doesn't just provide bread. He doesn't just provide the basics for sustenance. He actually provides joy and blessing and fullness. And it's this idea of my cup runneth over, my cup runs over, that was old English. Um, but it's really, it's a symbol of God's blessing in our life. And so, and for us, obviously, uh, we know the fullness of the of blessing in God, but also the blessing and the provision um, of the, the blood of the Lord Jesus that makes us right with Him. So you can all 
So at this point, um, traditionally, the men would pray blessings over their children and then would bless their wives. So Father God, I thank you for my son. And Father God, I just pray your blessing over him. Thank you God that he's strong. I thank you for the joy that he is to us. Behold, this is my son whom I love and who brings me great joy. And Father God, I thank you for Teresa. I thank you God for the strength that she adds to my life and to our family, God. I thank you God for her strength of character and her strength of person, God. Thank you God for blessing me with her, in Jesus' name, amen. And so now people would continue to pray those blessings and just dig in and enjoy a great meal together. So let's do that now. feels better. Um, but you know what I loved about the intro video and that video? Yeah, there was chicken on the table. Our priorities are right as a church. Um, chicken above all jokes. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a glimpse into my life. Because um, just show of hands, how many of us are busy and actually have a difficult time to find rest sometimes? Okay, Ross. So, busy, I think, is a very strong term for me. I think I'd go more full, because I'm, I'm constantly doing something for something. And the thing that's also difficult is that, is that more than physical rest, like I can, I can be sitting doing nothing, or just watching a random video, or whatever, but my mind is like in seven different places at the same time, so it's difficult to turn my mind off, which leads to not really actually getting rest for my soul, which is what I'm going to be speaking on today. Not just physical rest, that's relatively easy to get. Just set time aside to sleep and rejuvenate and you're good to go. But the rest I'm going to be speaking about today is the rest for your soul that goes far deeper than just um, doing nothing. So uh, Monday, Sunday to Thursday is like work for, for most of for us here at Olive Tree. Um, so Monday to Friday, I generally wake up at about, at about quarter to four in the morning, and then I study from four to five. Uh, after that, I walk to gym, and I train for about an hour and a bit, and then I walk back home, and um, uh, prep for work, prep, get ready for work, and there's that worship and prayer moments that I have in the morning as well. And uh, then you have a work day. So now your work day, for me, like it could go either way, like you can go from eight to three, like chock-a-block the whole way, and then you still have like an evening thing to do, so you go home, you rest for like, not, you, know, you actually rest for an hour, you have to come back to church again, or you have to drive somewhere, or you have like a minor conversation to have with someone, but you, like I'm always doing something, and sometimes when I get home, I do research for the thing that I'm studying, um, which takes me to like eight, I go to bed at like eight and seven sometimes, um, which is unheard of <laughs> for someone my age. Um, so that's like during the week. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, I wake up at like half past five in the morning. Saturdays, I go play basketball for like an, an hour and a bit. Um, and then I come back. I can't binge watch things anymore. It's, it, it, I find it difficult to do. So I watch one or two episodes. And then I just do some more studying. Or I chill or I go spend time with someone. But I'm always on something. So I was talking to, to um, one of the moms in Kloof one day a few weeks ago. And she just asked me, 
So Sia, how do you rest? So naturally, because I like talking, I started answering her, and then halfway in the answer, I was like, actually, I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't really know how I rest. Um, so I had to go home and think about how I find rest for my soul. Because not just doing nothing, because I can do that. I think that one of the nights I slept like 11 hours, because um, I had a busy week that week. And I was, that was good for my body, but my soul was still not at rest. Like my mind is still working, I'm still thinking about several hundred different things. Um, so I had to think about how do I get rest for my soul? So that's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to answer this morning. But the thing I want us to actually get is, I'm not going to tell you what things to do, because I don't think that that's my responsibility. I can maybe share my experiences that can inform your thinking, but my hope and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would be the one that tells you what it is that you should do to find rest for your soul. Because what works for me might not work for you. And barring that, I, don't, I hope that we don't give the people that speak here that much power to tell us how to live our lives. Like at the end of the day, it's between you and God. We just advise as best as we can and share our experiences as best as we can. But we are not God. God is still God, and he should still be the one that speaks into your life. Is that cool? Okay, so I'm going to share my experiences, but at the end of the day, it's between you and God. Um, so to understand what we need to do, I think we need to look back into the, the creation of the heavens and the earth. Because what God is doing in that moment is he was weaving a rhythm of life into the fabric of creation. So if you look at the beginning of Genesis, he creates the heavens and the earth in the six days. The animals, the people, um, everything that he made. Um, and then it says this in Genesis 1 verse 31 into 2 verse 3. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And Genesis 2 says this. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. That word holy, we've made it into uh, perfect. But actually, it's set apart for God. So God set that day apart, even for himself to be able to rest. Um, I don't want to dig myself into a hole here, but not necessarily saying that he needed it, but he was teaching us a way of living. So when we hear the word holy from now on, just think of set apart for God. Because if you fast forward, the next inkling of the, of the idea of the Sabbath, we see in the book of Exodus with the Israelites who had been, which Gary mentioned, they were um, slaves for many years. And when they were freed, eventually out in the desert, making their way to the promised land, God wanted to teach them how to rest or to teach them to actually rest because they worked seven days a week 52 weeks in the year. So it says this in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. 
So because their whole life they'd been about toiling and working, God wanted to reintroduce that fabric, that rhythm of living into the fabric of their lives, where it says, yes, you get to work a certain amount of time, but now you need to also implement this idea, this truth of actually resting. And it wasn't necessarily just saying, sit now and do nothing. There are two things that we're going to be covering in this message that I think is the point of a Sabbath day of rest, but actually getting us to a point of perpetual rest, which is mentioned, mentioned in Hebrews 4, that we are in a state of continual rest, not just a state of rest on a specific day, and then we are in turmoil every other day, but we get to enter into a space of perpetual, continuous rest. So he introduces this into the fabric of living, that you will work, you'll gather twice as much on the sixth day, but on the seventh day you shall rest. So here's what, in my opinion, how I think that we can gain rest. The first of those is that we um, enter into the state of perpetual rest by remaining connected to God. And the second thing is that we enter into the state of perpetual rest by remaining in um, godly community. Not just any community, godly community. Because not everyone in your life should have the power to speak into it. That circle should be actually quite small. So I'm going to unpack a little bit of, of um, how I think that we can do that. So number one, entering into a state of remaining connected to God. So resting by remaining connected to God. First, I want to speak of the hindrances to that. And this has been my experience, and maybe you can relate to this as well. But my experience has been that my performance has been the measure with which I view God's affection and attention towards me. So when I do the wrong thing, my thinking was that God has then turned his back on me. When I, things don't go the way that I think that they were supposed to go, my thinking is that, oh, I guess God didn't actually want this for me. So I'm taking my performance and my circumstances and applying that lens to the character of God, which is wrong. If you want to think of performance, here's the one thing that we should all be thinking about if you have chosen to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. If you're a Christian this morning, there's one person's performance that you should be viewing your life and how Christ, I mean, God actually sees you today through the performance of his son was that he sent him to die for you while you were still a sinner, while you still did all of the wrong things. He died for you, that he might reestablish the connection between you and God. So when God looks at you, he sees his son, says that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are sanctified, justified. You are on a journey of becoming more like Christ. That's the lens that he applies when he looks at you. So therefore, that has changed our position. Because now he calls us sons and daughters. So instead of my own thinking, relating my um, relationship with God based on my performance, I apply the lens of God sees me through his son's performance. So therefore, I have every right to walk into his presence and remain in rest with him. Every right because of what Jesus did for me. And because he calls me sons, his son, that will never change unless I actively choose to denounce God in all of his glory and goodness. But that will never change. I am going to be his son for the rest of my life, 
into eternity. So my position doesn't actually change, even if my performance does. Even if I do all of the wrong things, I am still the son of a king. The enemy seeks to remind us of the stuff that we used to do, the person that you used to be. But God speaks into your life and reminds you of the person that you are now and are becoming. He says that you are my son and you are my daughter and I am well pleased with you. So if you're sitting here this morning disqualifying yourself from being able to enter into this state of rest with God, I want to tell you that you are qualified because of what Jesus did. And you are a son and the daughter of a king. So you get to actually enter into a state of rest because of that unchangeable truth. And the second way that we get to, or 1B, <laughs> that we get to do that, is that we have to remain glued to the gospel. And here's what I mean by that. Matthew 11, verse 28, actually sums up quite beautifully in the message translation. And this is, we can imagine how the disciples actually chose to, uh, how, how they got to live with Jesus as well. It says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on, on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This isn't just live freely and lightly on Saturday. It's you'll learn to live freely and lightly every day when we learn to keep company with him. See, what the disciples got the benefit of is that every single day of their lives, they were living guided by the gospel, close to Jesus, glued to him, asking questions, probing. They were walking with him, working with him, and watching how he chooses to live. And that is then how they chose to, the lens they chose to apply to how they live their lives as well. The gospel was their reference point. Jesus was their reference point. They remained connected. They got to find or get into a state of perpetual rest by remaining connected to Jesus. In the same way that we get to do the same as well today. We remain glued to the gospel, walking with him, working with him, and watching how he does it. It takes intentionality. It doesn't just happen on its own. We need to wake up every day, picking up our cross, and choosing to remain glued to the gospel. God, what is it that you want me to do today? Show me something new. Give me a greater revelation of your word. Help me to navigate to handle this difficult conversation. We're applying the gospel into every single space of our lives. That's how we remain glued to it. Those walks in the morning that I, used, that I take to the gym used to, be, used to be venting sessions. Like, I'd, I'd air out my frustrations, um, but it wouldn't help. Like, I'd be frustrated about something and just talk to myself, um, get to gym train, walk back, talk to myself. But the, the rest of the day, I'd still be in a state of turmoil in my mind. 
So eventually I was like, that's not a healthy way to actually use that time. So now, when I choose to walk, when, when I choose to walk, and I have to walk to the gym, because my car's broken, gosh. Um, when I have to walk to the gym, I repurpose that time. I'm like, actually, I can remain glued to the gospel in these 20 minutes that I'm walking to the gym. So I'm walking and I'm like, having honest conversations, even if I might not feel God say, this is the answer, or you must do this or whatever, but I'm getting to offload to the right person now. God, this is happening. This is, I'm trusting you for this. I'm actually um, thinking about doing this. What did she mean in that text, actually? Um, no, that's, that's not true. Um, not that I don't actually talk about that with God, but not that specific sentence. Um, <laughs> um, but I repurposed that time to actually keep myself glued to the gospel in that way. And now when I get home and I have worship and I, and I continue to pray, when I get to work, it, it feels like even if I don't have the solutions or the answers, the load has been taken off my shoulders. My mind seems more at peace. Because I know, ah, if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm going to be all right. Um, <laughs> come on, guys. It's a joke. Have a sense of humor. Um, but that's how we get to remain glued to the gospel, that we apply it into every single facet of our lives. Every single small conversation that you need to have, Lord, bless me with wisdom to have this conversation well. Every meeting you need to, you're going to walk into, Lord, this is your meeting, not mine. Speak through me. Point number two is we can find rest by remaining in a godly community. So over the past few weeks, I've been, uh, so a couple of weeks ago, I shared that, that, that um, preach on, on why church exists and why we exist as, as the church was really challenging me um, because I was really feeling like, how am I actually getting the gospel out in my own life? Um, or, or was it just a case of like, I'm, not that this was anything wrong with this, I come to work, get everything ready for church on Sunday, have church on Sunday, and then you know, just continue the cycle. So I've been feeling really challenged around all that kind of stuff. And uh, the wisest thing I could do, actually, was to n- not trust myself to make the best decision on my own. Yes, God might have been pressing that stuff into my heart, but now the wise thing to do is to say, Ross, this is what I'm thinking, or this is what I feel God saying to me. What do you think? Not that I'm giving him power to tell me what to do. He's sharing something from his perspective that I get to apply to my thinking. I get to go to Paul and be like, Paul, this is what I'm thinking of doing. This is what I'm feeling. What are your thoughts? He shares his thoughts and his opinions. I get to walk away from that. I get to go to my mates and be like, this is what I'm thinking and feeling. What are your thoughts? And from that position, from that point, um, I would, <laughs> they did actually. I'm like, they did point me to God in, in many ways. Not sure that they didn't, but godly community then, in your own thinking and your own prayers, that they point you to God still. So you walk away from the conversation carrying all those different opinions and thoughts and like, hey, God, here's how my thinking is now informed. That's how you make the wisest decision possible, in my opinion, when you're seeing things from different angles, not just your own. Godly community seeks to do that for you. My mom is possibly one of the most amazing people that I know. She is, actually. She is so um, driven by faith in everything that she does. Before, like years ago, it used to be, uh, um, 
let me choose my words wisely here. It used to like maybe be a point of 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 friction in our relationship, but now because we have an understanding of each of our journeys. Whenever I so I called it the other day and I was just telling her what I'm thinking of, what stuff that I did, um, like getting life cover and I want to get a will done and all that kind of. Not that I'm thinking I'm going to die or whatever. It's just wise to have those things. Um, and I was sharing that with her, and she was like, that's a very wise thing that you're doing. And she like calls out Christ in me in those conversations. She reminds me of who God is. She's like, there's, there's, um, there's wisdom in what, in what you're doing. And that day I, like, I chose to cut off medications. Like, that was a faith move. Well done. I'm proud of you. Um, like, having those conversations with her is so good for my soul. I get to actually find ways, because God doesn't only just speak to me directly, but he can speak to me through the people that I have around me. Because even in preparation for my studies, she was like, you did math and physics in high school. I'm not even worried. Um, you're going to ace this exam, which is encouraging. I didn't think I'm going to fail, obviously, but I mean, it's still like very encouraging and uplifting. It takes the weight off my shoulders. I'm like, I love you, mom, you know? Um, like, it's just so, she's so sweet. She's like, amazing. But that's the community that, that we all get to have around us that, number one, remind us of who we are when we forget. And number two, still get to point us to God in the decisions that we need to make. Ecclesiastes 4 says this. This is 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together that are married, um, they will keep warm. (laughs) But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Bottom line, we are better together. But we need to make the wise choices of choosing who we have around us. Because that's how we can actually remain in a state of perpetual rest. Because the stuff that causes turmoil in our minds, we get to unpack that in godly community so that we can hear from God a whole lot clearer when the noise has been put out. Is that okay? Are you guys still with me? Amazing. So now you've got to ask, how then do we rest? What are the... ABCs of remaining in Christ. I don't think that I'm going to tell you that. Because I'm hoping you're going to go figure that out for yourself. Whether it's spending time in worship for X amount of time, or prayer, or conversation, or devotional, whatever the thing might look like that, is, that gives you rest for your soul. Find that and do it. But the main headings is that we've got to remain connected to God. And you've got to remain connected in godly community. So here's what we're going to do this week. Beyond figuring out how to find rest for yourself, perpetual rest, and not just rest for a specific day. But we're going to have a Shabbat meal. So if you received your booklet last week, you, you'll, you would have received one or two, both of these things in there. But if you didn't, you can still download it online. So this is an invitation that you can send out to a couple of friends maybe, but 
the heart behind this is that the people that are far from God, that have turned their back on him possibly or feel like God isn't on their side or um, are just not feeling God's presence in their lives, this is a great opportunity to bring them into godly community. For you, um, and I'm open to invites, you all out there. <laughs> um, I'm joking. <laughs> but um, you, we get to bring those people back into godly community. So we get to host a Shabbat meal. You can do it Friday night, because uh, that's when Shabbat starts. Or you can do it Saturday night, so that Sunday morning you guys get to come to church together. Whatever the way you get to do it, you can do that. So here's an invite. You don't have to just invite two people. You can invite more than that. Um, and there's a recipe for the, the challah bread. That's funny, because challah means greedy in Zulu. So <laughs> you, can, you can invite people over some greedy bread and... Um, and some red grape juice. Um, but there's a recipe on how you can make it. Um, but the beauty of, of the Shabbat meal is not just that we get to have communion together, but that we, in, beyond enjoying each other, there's moments actually where um, in the Jewish custom they get to worship together. The next day they wake up and they go to um, the synagogue, they go to church, and they read from the Torah to remind themselves of who God is, the principles of their beliefs, all that kind of stuff. So we get to do that as well. We enjoy a meal, and um, you get to come to church the next day. Ross tells me you guys have the whole Torah memorized, so don't worry about that. Um, But we get to enjoy a meal and then come to church and enjoy God together. So host a Shabbat meal in whatever capacity that you can, because it's going to be so good for both you and the people that you invite to that space. Friends, family, um, this week I pray that it's filled with moments of rest where you get to enjoy God and his people. Uh, I'm going to pray and then I pray that we all have a Shabbat week. Heavenly Father, we, um, we thank you for the blueprint that you set for us. The rhythm of um, creation really is the rhythm, should be the rhythm of our lives. Where we get to work as if we're working unto you and then set time apart where we get to enjoy you and your people. Over the course of this week, Lord Jesus, won't you just speak to us ever so clearly about how we can remain in states of perpetual rest. Whether it's getting away for a small prayer here or um, reading a little scripture each day Whatever the thing might be, won't you um, very clearly speak to us about what that thing is? We invite you into our hearts. We are so open to what you want to do. And for the Shabbat meal that we're going to host, I pray, God, that you would speak to us about which people to invite. That we might bring them back into godly community. Lord, we love you, and we know that there's still so much more that we ought to or we get to experience in you. Won't you have your way in our lives? In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a blessed week.